This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He is Mark Zinno. Good to have you aboard here on a Thursday afternoon. Hello, Mark. How are you this afternoon? Oh, Zaz, great to be with you. Z and Z once again moving to the head of the class. I love it. You can always tweet to us. I'm at Zaslow Show. He is at Mark Zinno. So we got four action-packed hours here for you. I'm very excited. One of, one of my favorite parts here now, Mark, about doing shows on ESPN Radio. First of all, it means I'm very professional if I'm doing stuff on ESPN Radio. But I have so many new friends now. So, like, this the second show that I'm doing here with you. I'm meeting so many new people like yourself. You know, at my age, I'm in my early 40s. I, I, yeah, I got kids. I don't go out that much. I don't meet new people. So I have so many new friends. You're one of them. And I learn new things about them every day. So today, I'm going to send out on Twitter. Again, I'm at Zaslow's show, and I want to let everybody know that you and I are filling in for Canty and Carlin today. So I put out hot tip. Now, I got lots of hot tips. I don't know if you know that about me. I got lots of hot tips. And today's hot tip was your two-time championship broadcaster. That's me. Everybody knows I'm a two-time champion broadcaster. Me and Mark Zinno, we are hosting Canty and Carlin today. Okay, great. Well, I get a response back from Mark Zinno. You got a hotter tip, and your hotter tip is former professional NFL cheerleader is hosting Canty and Carlin with Zaslow show. Now, look, unless I haven't been told that there's a third chair on the show this afternoon, apparently you, Mark Zinno, are the former professional NFL cheerleader and I didn't know how to take that because I, I didn't know if I'm – is there a joke built in there? Am I missing something? Should I have known that Mark Zinno is a former NFL cheerleader? So can I hear this? Can we get to the bottom of this case? Yeah, I mean, it's very simple. I cheered in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens, who have the only co-ed cheerleading squad in the NFL for seven years. So I, uh, I have been a pro at something in this world. So there you go. I get to put professional on my resume for once, and it happens to be in cheerleading. I, lo- I you know what? I love it, man. So you were you were tossing the girls up, and like you're responsible for catching them, making sure nobody gets hurt. Like that was your deal, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I uh, that was the the fun part. Uh, it was I did it in college for four years. I did it even after. Uh, the NFL on, on some like you know travel teams and, and things of that nature, but uh, I, yeah, I, I was the guy on the bottom of the pyramid throwing the girls up. Sometimes I went on the top of the pyramid too, you know, if you wanted to mix really? things up. But I, I have a diverse skill set. Yeah, and listen, you you you'd think that all these muscles came from weights. No, they just came from bench pressing humans. I I, I love the idea of keeping everybody on their toes. Like, hey guys, this is what we're gonna do today. I'm going up top the pyramid. You're going to throw me. So you did this for how many years with the Baltimore Ravens now? Se- seven years. Wow. I love it. So I guess joke was on me. Like, I didn't know how to respond. I'm like, am I missing something here? Former professional NFL cheerleader? I love it. So how about that? Former professional cheerleader, two-time champion broadcaster here. He's Mark Zinno. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. We're in for Canty and Carlin today. Big news day. All right. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow practices for the first time since injuring his calf. So you had the you had the session that was open to the media this afternoon in Cincinnati. Burrow participated in all the throwing drills. Jamar Chase, 
you know, came up later, said that he threw the receivers in a, a routes on air period. Okay, also in a seven on seven session. Burrow hadn't practiced since one of the early days in training camps, July 27th. I remember it actually, Mark, because it was the same day that Jalen Ramsey went down for the Dolphins. Here's Bengals head coach Zach Taylor on having his quarterback back. I thought he looked good. You know, it was good to get him out there. Um, you know, it certainly energizes the team when you get a chance to get your starting quarterback back out there. So I thought he looked good. I don't think there's a defined checklist that we need to see. Um, again, it was just good to get him out there with the team and calling plays in the huddle and all that good stuff at practice. So I think that was encouraging for everybody. So, so for me, all right, so he's back. And the conversation now for me starts with, Mark, should Joe Burrow get out there before he has a new deal? Uh, well, I mean, there's a complicated way to answer that. Should he get out there in week one? The answer is yes, because guess what? That's a divisional game, and those are the ones you can't afford to lose. You want to win your division, you got to win your divisional games. And they play two divisional games in the first two weeks, the Bengals do. So if he is 100% healthy and he is ready to go, and he's been cleared as 100% healthy, we don't know just because he came back to practice that he is ready to go. Whatever injury designation they want to put on him, that's fine. And to be honest with you, we haven't seen a line movement, if you're into the odds sort of thing, sort of telling the story on that game just because he came back to practice. So uh, I would add that there's still some speculation whether he's actually going to play in week one. But if he can go, this is kind of a game he has to be in. Yeah, you know, you look at the at the early part of the schedule for Cincinnati, and and I would say, look, it, it's, it's not exactly a murderer's row. It's at Cleveland, the first game. Like you said, it's a divisional game. Second game, very tough. It's Baltimore. And then it eases up significantly the next three weeks where you got the Rams, you got the Titans, uh, at the Titans, and at the Cardinals. So even if you're not getting a Burrow that's 1,000%, even if you're getting him kind of working his way back in, like, I understand first two games are divisional games, but it's not the most difficult schedule at the start. But as far as not getting back out there until you have a contract, here's the thing. What are we afraid of if you're Joe Burrow not getting out there with a contract? And what I mean by that is, what injuries end your career these days? I mean, okay, guys get hurt all the time, but modern medicine now, it's not as... Like, the only thing that would keep him from returning, Mark, is if, like, the turf monster actually jumps up and eats one of his legs. And now he doesn't have two legs. The way modern medicine is today, he can get hurt, yes, but what's going to happen? The Bengals are going to look at him and be like, wow, I mean, you, you suffered that injury, we uh, cut you loose. Like, I, I don't believe there's any real danger right. in him getting out this year. Year number four, and we, of course, know they have a fifth-year option that they could pick up if they don't come up with an extension just yet. So the whole being afraid of an injury and should he get out there before he has a new deal – yeah, that, that doesn't really jive with me, Mark. Well, yeah, I, I mean, the other thing is this. Joe Burrow may actually prove his value even more by not being there. Let's see what kind of team you have without him, right? Like, what, what, are, the, what are the odds you're going to win a ton of games if he's not there? So if he plays in week one and reaggravates the injury and then has to miss weeks two, three, and four, whatever it is, and they go like one and three over the st- stretch of games he misses – I'd argue it, it increases his value. I mean, there's, like you said, there's nothing 
short. There's nothing short of a career-ending injury that's going to diminish the value of Joe Burrow at this point in time. Right. This franchise right. wasn't relevant since Boomer Esiason until he showed up at the position of quarterback. So maybe a couple of Carson Palmer years in there. I shouldn't denigrate Carson Palmer. He was, he was pretty good. Uh, John Kitna year, maybe here and there. But other than that, you know, Andy Dalton was okay, but he was never never elevated to the level that Joe Burrow did. Clearly never won a playoff game. So this Can we throw guy in a Jeff Blake reference in there also? player in the NFL. Uh, maybe an Achilles Smith here and there, possibly. I mean, you know, whatever you're feeling at this point in time. But I'm a New York Long Island guy, so Boomer got to the top of my list. Let's hear from Bengals wide receiver, stud wide receiver, Jamar Chase. And he- Were you concerned that he would try to come back too fast? Hell yeah. That's why I told him, don't come until week five. Like, I don't want you back until you know you're ready, bro. Like, that's the same thing with me. He didn't tell me that, but in my mind, I said, I'm going to be back when you want me to be there and be ready. You know what I'm saying? It's just about being your healthiest. Has he told you he's ready? Was there a moment where he said, hey, Jamar, I'm ready? He never told me that he's ready. He told me he feel good. That's another thing about him. He's just going to say, I feel good. I'm okay. So, like. What does that say about the confidence? A lot of other teams, you use QB1. You wouldn't say that publicly. Say what publicly? Like, hey, hold off till week five. You need me to good. And who cares? Yeah. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? That's not their quarterback. It's my quarterback. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. It is very true. Good. Like, you don't very hear that very Chase. often. He just comes right out there. It's like, I told him, don't come back well, until week number five. Well, good, good for him that he said that. I mean, I'm glad he's got that much confidence in the rest of his team. But, you know, you'd argue that Chase is the guy who shouldn't play without a new deal before Burrow, right? Wide receivers, you, you take an ACL on that guy, and all of a sudden the entire, you know, the entire landscape changes. So, you know, Jamar Chase should be turning around telling them, hey, you, you, you could sit Joe Burrow, but if I don't have a new contract, I ain't playing for you either. Then let's see how good Joe Burrow is without Jamar Chase because that's an answer to a question we don't know. Yeah. I'm Jonathan Zaslow. He is Mark Zinno. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you could save at 800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Breaking news from ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Colts have not received what they felt was a fair value trade offer for running back Jonathan Taylor and are not trading him. No trade materialized today despite the fact that the Colts did speak with the Miami Dolphins and other teams. I don't think this is a win-win situation. Like, I get it. It's wishful thinking that they could salvage a relationship. This is a strictly business relationship from this point going forward. So Indianapolis Colts general manager is Chris Ballard. And it, it feels to me, Mark, where he it seems like he's kind of stuck in the middle here. Like, I think this is the case probably for a lot of general managers where if it were up to Chris Ballard, he would just give Jonathan Taylor the money. Let me give you a little bit of the Colts general manager here on whether or not he expects to see Jonathan Taylor running for his team this year. I sure hope so. That's the way I look at it. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a great kid, great for the community. That would be the plan. I'm not going to get into hypotheticals of yay or nay, but I don't want the indication that we don't want Jonathan Taylor. That is not true. I've never once even made that statement. Mark, is this a relationship between running back and team that could actually be fixable? Sure, it could be fixable because the GM is clearly telling you none of this is his decision. The GM is flat out telling you 
This is an ownership decision that was taken out of my hands, and I have since been removed from the equation. This is between Jonathan Taylor and Jim Irsay, and there is every signal and every sign that you need to know that that's where the fracture in the relationship is. Chris Ballard, I'm sure, has had plenty of conversations one-on-one with Jonathan Taylor and his representation and has told him, I want the guy back. I want to give him a contract. I don't pay the bills. So until I can get my boss to say yes, which I'm currently working on, you know, we don't have a deal. And I'm sorry about that, but that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, that's, that's where this whole thing is headed from the standpoint of how does this get resolved? Well, it gets resolved if Jim Irsay steps out of the way and lets his GM do his job. Mark, is it, is it a stupid thing for me to say that if Jim Irsay did not come out after the running backs had their powwow, they had their Zoom meeting, they're trying to figure out what do we do? We got to get paid. What, what's going to happen to us moving forward? They have their Zoom meeting. Is it stupid of me to even think that if Jim Irsay did not then come out the next day and say how inappropriate, those are his words, how inappropriate it was for running backs to get together and talk about getting paid. Is it stupid of me to think that we may not be in this situation if he didn't say that? Um, I think he tipped his hand on how he felt about paying a running back. And look, he's not wrong in his assessment, whether he's an owner or a player personnel guy or a salary cap guy. He's not wrong in saying, I don't want to pay big money to a running back. Generally, on the but whole, Taylor seems offended by the owner coming out and well, saying it, right? I mean, yes, he does. But hey, listen, this is a big boy business. Okay, get your feelings out of the way. And, mm-hmm. and I've said all along, the holdouts don't work. This stuff isn't going to work. He's not going to increase his value by sitting out. Uh, and, and as much as he doesn't want to, he should suck it up and say, "Guess what? I'm coming out on the field this year, and I'm going to ball out." And guess what? If you franchise tag me. Okay, I mean, this is the, the landscape they have to deal with. But, you know, the Colts, again, can franchise him next year if they wanted to. And then guess what? He's going to sit out again. How is his value going up by not playing? Like we just talked about Joe Burrow. We know what his value is, and quarterbacks are different than every other position, so it's not comparable. But in reality, again, you can sit out all you want. Your value isn't going up. It'll stay level or it'll drop off one way or another. The less football you play, the less valuable you are. I absolutely think the relationship is repairable. Matter of fact, I think the most likely outcome of all of this, not you know this week, not next week, or maybe even the week after, but I could see them coming together and wind up coming up with an extension. It's not going to end up being what Jonathan Taylor wanted, but I do think there could be some truth. I think maybe it could have been almost an educational exercise allowing Jonathan Taylor to go out there, the agent is talking to other teams, and sees, you know what? The market out there, maybe it's a little bit better than what the Colts were going to be willing to offer me, but it's not what I wanted. Like, it's, I'm not going to get what I'm looking for out there. So, you know what? You know what's the easiest way to repair a broken relationship? That's what the money's for. The money is the easiest way to repair this. And in that sport in the NFL, the money can actually repair it. When you go to the other sports, you know, like, say, the NBA with salary cap, when it's all equal and every team is only allowed to pay certain players a certain amount of money, well, the player can say, all right, I'm getting guaranteed money. I'm mad at you. I'm leaving when my time is up. In the NFL, in in that economy, in that sport, you got to go where the money is. And that's the easiest way for this thing to be repaired. I think you're right, Mark. I think it clearly sounds like a general manager in Chris Ballard who is stuck in the middle and is probably working his owner on coming up with a deal. The same way, remember, Mark, 
Jim Ursay flat out said, no, we are not trading him. And what I then believe happened was Chris Ballard probably had to talk him into the idea, let's let him go talk to other teams. Let's give them permission. Ursay agreed to it, and I think probably the same thing's happening now where he's working on his owner to try and come up with an extension and repair the relationship. I mean, and the other part of this is, too, is that, listen, the Colts have been fiscally responsible as much as you can be as any team in the NFL with the way they've handled business. This is a much easier deal than what it looks like on the surface. I mean, with him having such a low base salary this year and what he's worth, you can give him a three-year extension, include this year in it, front load the hell out of this deal, and then worry about next year, next year. No GM is like, well, in three years we're going to be tied against the cap. They don't think that way. They look at this year and this year only. Next year and the following years do not matter. We'll handle that when it happens because so many things change in roster construction throughout the year. They could get this deal done. They could get a sweetener deal done. Here's the deal, JT. Okay, we're going to plus you up to you know fifteen million this year because they have room against the cap or whatever, and then you know or we'll give you twenty five million guaranteed over the next three years. Right, something in that range, whatever it may be that he wants, that that gets him where he is, and then you deal with it the after it, the after effects after the whole thing. This is a deal that can easily get done for Jonathan Taylor. Now, some of this is on him. I mean, if he's asking for exorbitant numbers that just aren't in line with what the running back market is, then guess what? You know, you he plays a part in this too. We just don't know those facts yet. Well, one thing that the general manager, Chris Ballard, is right about, it stinks for the Colts, it stinks for the fans, it stinks for Jonathan Taylor. I'm Jonathan Zaslow, he is Mark Zinno. Coming up is Dak Prescott playing for his job this season, and should Dallas wait before re-signing Dak to a long-term deal? That's next on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Alongside Mark Zinno, I am Jonathan Zaslow. Glad to have you aboard here on a Thursday afternoon. As we bring aboard Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter. You can hit her up on Twitter at by Kimberly A. Don't forget the extra E. Kimberly, we're still calling it Twitter, right? Like, like Kimberly, I don't know. When I say you can hit her up on Twitter, everybody understands what I'm saying, right? We can still call it Twitter? We, we are not calling it X, X squared, the thing formerly known as Twitter. It's still Twitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> Kimberly, we started out the show here discussing Joe Burrow returning to practice. Do you have any concerns about Burrow returning to play before receiving a new contract? Uh, I said this on first take today. If I were his agent, I would advise him not to. Um, not because it's not that I don't think a deal is going to get done. I don't think the Bengals, an organization that is known to be notoriously cheap in the past. It's not that I fear that they would not give the guy money, but as we've seen, especially this offseason, of guys getting paid all the QBs, the market is set already for for Lamar, Jalen, Justin Herbert. Um, We've seen guys get paid. My biggest question is, what's the holdup? So as his agent, I would not want him to be out there, but again, I don't worry about him health-wise, and I know Joe Burrow is a great team player, wants to be out there with his guys as they, you know, they only have a week and a half before the regular season starts. So don't hate it, but if I were his representation, I definitely would advise against it. (laughs) Kimberly, of the two Super Bowl teams from last year, the Chiefs and the Eagles, which is less likely to make their conference championship game this year and why? Chiefs or the Eagles? Um, Honestly... I, I think I would say che- less likely. I would say uh, that's a tough one. I think it's hard. It's the Chiefs. It's really say it. It's okay. It's say the Chiefs. Team. Say the Chiefs. It's okay. No, 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 no. Because it, I think logic will tell you, well, the NFC is weaker than the AFC. Um, so, obviously, the Eagles' path to, to getting to the playoffs and getting back to the Super Bowl is a lot easier than the Chiefs. But I made this point earlier today. The AFC was loaded with quarterbacks last year, was it not? The only difference now is Russ. We're not worried about from the standpoint of, is he one of the greatest quarterbacks in the AFC? And Aaron Rodgers, fine. But, but Patrick Mahomes had to go through a gauntlet last year. He took care of Burrow and he took care, you know, like, so I, I, I feel like the best quarterback, you got to give him the nod. And we always seem ready to, like, look at some other team besides the Chiefs when the Chiefs have been the standard. When you look at the Super Bowls, Three out of the last five years, when you look at who's hosted the most AFC Championship games since he entered the league in 2017, and he became a star in 2018, it's 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 Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I'm gonna go with Chiefs. Our, Kimberly, Chiefs are the most likely, so the least likely would be the Eagles. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, all right. Yes. Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us here on Canty and Carlin, along with Jonathan Zaslow and Mark Zinno. Let, let's look into the future here, Kimberly. You have this unique ability to look into the future. We are at the end of October. The trade deadline is approaching. Is Jonathan Taylor still with the Indianapolis Colts? And if he is, does he have a contract extension? <sighs> That is the one thing. The only thing I know uh, I can't I can predict less is whether Sean Payton can fix Russ. I have no idea about that one. Jonathan Taylor, to me, it are the Colts going to pay? Are they going to pay him? I understand he's in a different situation than Saquon and Josh Jacobs. He's still on you know his rookie deal, but the issue is money and comments by uh, comments by the owner Jim Irsay. And I know their GM Chris Ballard had said yesterday it sucks. We, we, we want him to touch for everybody, but, you know, relationships can be repairable. Yes, that is true, but something's got to give. And it seems thus far that it's the Colts that have to give something, and the Colts seem like the team that does not want to give. And so if the guy wants money 
and he's not going to be playing the first four weeks of the season, and we have the trade deadline looming in late October, I am not sure if he's going to be on the field. I don't. I really don't know if there's anything Chris Ballard can do to repair the relationship without tacking on some zeros onto, <laughs> onto this guy's deal. ESPN NFL reporter Kimberly Martin joining us here on Kenny and Carlin. Zazo and Zeno in for the fellas today. Uh, I may be alone on this one, but I don't think there's a world where Dak Prescott doesn't get an extension. I don't think there's a world where he's not the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys for the next five to seven years. Do you agree? Uh, I don't think that um, – I don't think you would say that in, in the, this NFL climate. I mean, we have seen crazier things happen. Personally, I have confidence in Dak that he will not throw 15 interceptions this year. Um, And I have confidence in saying that if the Dallas Cowboys, for whatever reason, didn't have Dak as their quarterback next year or in the future, um, that they would be a worse they would be worse off without him. Um, So, but but I also that said, keep in mind Dak to me is playing for his job from the standpoint of right now he is a very good quarterback but he's also a guy that is two and four in the playoffs. And we need to see Dak Prescott elevate his team in the big moments. We need to see Dak Prescott make big plays in those big moments and get beyond just the wild card round, right? So until he does that, until they win a Super Bowl, um, there are going to be questions about Dak Prescott as good of a player as he is. So I covered the NFL for a long time. There's nothing that will shock me. Um, so so I don't I, – I, I, I don't – I wouldn't feel comfortable saying there's no way that he, he, you know, he would not be the quarterback. Great job, Kimberly. Thanks for hanging out with us here on Canty and Carlin for a few minutes this afternoon. I appreciate it, guys. Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter again at by Kimberly A. And she, she gave me the go ahead. I'm still calling it Twitter. She's still calling it Twitter. Uh, Mark, you okay with that? I like to flash the X sign, you know, just throw it out there like DMX. Like, oh, that's back what the that old was. Days. Yes. Yeah, that's the, that's the old X sign. Um, anyway, or, or like Dez used to do, right? Didn't Dez Bryan throw yep, up the X? that was back Dez, in the day? yes. All yes. right, speaking of Cowboys real quick, I, I mean, we talk about Dak's extension. Mm-hmm. If the Cowboys are smart, okay, they extend him before he throws a single pass this year. And here is why. Mm-hmm. Coming off a 15-interception season and questions about whether he can actually get this team over the hump, You'll probably get a discount. One of two things will happen this year. He'll play his tail off, and they'll make it to the NFC Championship game or even higher. And guess what? His value goes up. Or he plays even worse, and guess what? Now it makes it easier for you to walk away if that's what you want to do. Or is, I mean, I wouldn't risk the fact that his value is going to drop even lower. So his value might be at its lowest right now, Zaz. I can't believe we're talking about this again already. Like, didn't Dak, like weren't we doing the Dak extension yeah. talk? Like, Last week? It, feel, it feels like it was really recent. I can't believe we're having this conversation again. That Dak is like he's got to get paid again. All right. Like he said, Zaslow and Zinno in for Canty and Carlin. Coming up, what circumstances is it okay to root for two different teams? That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. In for the guys, I'm Jonathan Saslow. He is Mark Zinno. So, week one college football essentially gets going tonight. That's what we got going on, right, Zinno? You dialed into tonight a little Chris Fowler, a little Kirk Herbstreet, Florida Gators. That's my alma mater. I don't know if you knew that. Florida Gators and I did Utah. not know that. 
Yeah, that's right. So tonight, so you must be you must be like uh, apoplectic right now at the state of your program. Well, I'm a little bit of a phony fraud, and I will tell oh. you why. I'm a little bit of a phony fraud. So yes, I went to the University of Florida. I'm a very proud graduate of the University of Florida, but I grew up here in. And I, I, I root for the Hurricanes. So I, I root for the Hurricanes, but also I obviously want my school to do well, the University of Florida. So I, I, I get a lot of crap for that down here that I'm a phony fraud because I'm essentially rooting for two schools. You got a big problem with that? I don't. I mean, in fairness, I grew up in a pro sports town, right? So... New York doesn't have college teams. So me moving to the South mm-hmm. created a whole new environment for me and being exposed to college football at the level that I am, being here in the heart of the SEC in Atlanta. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it because I don't have a, you know, one single team that I root for. The teams I root for in college are the team I bet on at 12 o'clock and the team that I bet on at 3 o'clock. But that, that's who I root for each week in college. So that's where my loyalties lie to my wallet more than anything else. Beyond that, I don't have a problem with you – living in a city and rooting for the teams in that city because when they do well, guess what? You right. do well because of the job that we have, right? Right. So it always right. benefits us to be in a town with a winner. Um, right. But why should you ever let go of your allegiance to the school that you went to? I don't think you should ever have to. Right. Clearly what's best for business here in South Florida is for the team that's more local to do well. But the thing is, like, let's say when I was in school, when I was at the University of Florida, Obviously, I'm supporting my school, but I was still rooting for the Hurricanes to do well. And kids are like, oh, that's crazy. But here's the thing, Mark. The Miami Hurricanes down here are treated like a professional team. You know, it's a private school. It's a small private school. Most of the fans here didn't even come close to attending the school. So what am I supposed to do? 18 years of my life, I root for one team. And all of a sudden, because I'm going to school someplace else, do I, do I just drop it? I'm no longer a fan. Like that's that's essentially the way that I explain it. But in general, like I ask, hey, it, what circumstances is it okay to root for two different teams? We can actually open it up. Eight 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 say ESPN. Eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. I think that's kind of an extenuating circumstance that I'm giving you there. Why it's okay for me? Number one, because it's me, but also because I'm a hypocrite to root for multiple teams. But like professionally. You can't have two teams in pro sports, right? There's no scenario that that's going to fly, right? Yeah, that's like within the same sport. Yeah, you can't really. If you have any semblance of loyalty and hometown loyalty to a team, just pick one. Don't be indifferent. Nobody likes that person. Nobody wants to be friends with the person who has two favorite teams. I root for this team in the AFC, this team in the NFC. No, that's stupid. Okay. Well, what about you, you know? I feel like we side. used to get. I feel like we used to get this a lot in Major League Baseball before all the interleague play. I got a National League team. And I got an American League team, right? We hear that all the time, right? I mean, listen, there are teams that I would like to see win if my team doesn't. But I don't call myself that's a different. fan that's of different. those teams. Yeah, right? that's different. Like, that's different. I, I would like to see, only because I have so many friends who are Mets fans, I would like to see the Mets actually win something just for the sake of them. Right for, for for all my friends who have suffered for thirty years now, I would like to see them some, something good happen to them once in a while. Same thing with Jet fans, but in reality, I'm not I'm not pulling for them on the teams that I root for. Eight 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 say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. 
Are there circumstances, I guess similar to mine, are there circumstances where it's okay to root for two different teams, Mark? Let me tell you where the stupidest thing takes place in sports fans. Go on. And so many people, millions of people do this every NFL Sunday. You ready? Yeah. I am, the fa- I am a fan of Team A. Let's pick the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I am a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. However, comma, they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend, and Jalen Hurts is my fantasy quarterback. Oh, my God. The conundrum. Oh, my God. What do I do? What do I do? I want the Niners to win, but I want Jalen Hurts to play well. Like, that's the stupidest thing in the world. If so the fantasy guy, football okay, stuff, makes, that makes you nuts. Yes. That, that's, it's just stupid. That's why I stopped playing fantasy like 10 years ago, because it's just a waste of damn time. Like, the idea that you're going to sit there on a Sunday and root for your team, and you're playing the other guy, Right. I mean, it, it, why would you want your loyalties in any game to be split? Like, oh, well, he threw a touchdown pass. That's because my fantasy squad. You sound like an idiot. Well, I will tell you, I had a fantasy football draft last night, and I refuse to draft players that are inside the AFC East. I'm not doing it. You know, that don't, that don't play for the Miami Dolphins because I'm not going to deal with that scenario. I'm not going to have the Dolphins play the Bills, play the Jets, play the Patriots, and I have to root for Josh Allen or I have to root for Garrett Wilson. I can't do it, Mark. I stay away from those players. Can't do it. Well, you listen, you <laughs> – you have discipline, my friend. The whole idea of fantasy, especially when you're doing it for money, is to win. So if you're passing on Josh Allen and Garrett, uh, you know, Garrett I'll Wilson I'll find a different else, quarterback. Woo! I'll find another wide Man. receiver. I'll find Man. somebody else to lead I, me to I a I want to know if you actually do well in this league now and how well the Bills and the, the Jets that you passed up are all of a sudden doing. <laughs> I've won one time. It was 20 years ago. 888-SAY-ESPN, <laughs> Let's go to Missouri. This is Robert. Robert is on Canty and Carlin. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, guys, how's it going? I think, uh, you know, on the collegiate front, it might be okay to have more than one alliance as long as it's not a state rivalry. Like, I'm a Michigan fan, and I lived in East, if I lived in East Lansing, I could never root for the Spartans. Uh, but being in Columbia, you know, I'm okay if it does well as long as Michigan wins. But I would also make the argument for MLB, too. So I grew up in Chicago, a Sox fan, and then lived in, yeah, see, thanks for the call, Robert. See, that, that could be tough because you're not going to just give up on the team, Mark, that you've loved since you're, you know, say, a child. But, you know, what's so bad about supporting the local team where you now live, right? I, don't, I mean, look, if you grew up in a city or a, a part of the country that didn't have a pro team, let's say you grew up in Wyoming. You know, mm-hmm. you grew up in, in Iowa, okay? Sure, there are teams that you kind of gravitate towards that are closer to that area, but in that case, to me, you have free reign to pick whoever you want. You're listening to Canty and Carlin here as we've gotten to some NFL news from earlier today with Cincinnati and Indianapolis. But coming up, we want to hear from you. The Jets, have they become the villains of the NFL? That's next on Canty and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.